We mainly hear about single moms raising the kids, but in this episode, we talk with Rocky Lalvani, who was raised by a single dad, and he shares the money lessons he learned. That is coming up in episode 138. Are you tired of the traditional money advice? Me too. Bienvenida. Welcome to the Her Money Matters podcast. Join me each week for down-to-earth money conversations that will leave you with more confidence and inspiration to help you take control of your money. And you will probably learn some Spanish along the way too. Lista? You ready? Empecemos with. Let's get started. Hola, hola, que chévere de tenerte aquí conmigo. Hi there. It is so cool to have you here with me today. I am your host, Jen Hemphill, and I've got another fantastic guest for you today. We are into our third episode of the season, and I want to remind you that with this podcast, I value your feedback, I value your input, I value the guests that you want to hear. So if you want to provide that input and feedback, or maybe you have ideas of guests that you want to hear, by all means do so. And you can do that at jenhempill.com forward slash share your voice. And I will definitely link that up in today's show notes. Now in today's episode, you're going to learn how Rocky's father raised him as a single dad and what money lessons he learned. You're going to learn why contentment was an issue in his life, and that was real interesting, and why he struggled to overcome it. You're also going to learn the rationale behind giving his kids their age in allowance. So that was interesting. And you're also going to learn why it is important to make learning money a pleasurable experience for our kids. So let me tell you a little bit about Rocky Lalvani. Rocky is a wealth coach who talks about life after wealth. He helps people understand their purpose and create balance across wealth, time, relationships, and spirituality. He is the millionaire next door who has systematically built wealth through automated savings and investing. So let's go ahead and meet Rocky. Vamos a conocer a Rocky. Bienvenido, Rocky Lalvani, to the Her Money Matters podcast. I am excited to have you here to connect with you today. Thank you for having me. It's uh, my pleasure to be on your show, and I'm looking forward to chatting. Very excited. Me too, because there's a lot of things that you do that align uh, with what I do, which I completely love. You're definitely into a lot of the mindset piece of money, our relationships with money, and the why behind that. And I love that, which I have learned definitely from listening to your podcast. So let's dig in into you. Let's learn more about you and how did you grow up around money? What's your money story? So I came to the United States when I was two years old. And it was my dad, my mom, my grandfather. And when we came, he was only allowed to take so much currency out of India. So it was $25. And so my dad's brother was here and my mom's sister was here. So we had a little bit of family, but they had only been here for a couple of years. So we essentially started out at the bottom in the sense of um, 
not having much money and they were starting their life over again. My dad at this point was 42 and went back to college. And then just watching my family and all of the friends that he had that had also come from India, it was amazing to see how rapidly they gained financial success. It was almost like when I was really young, it seemed like every year we were moving to a little bit nicer place. And I think throughout my childhood, that's what I saw everybody else do. They constantly moved up the economic ladder. And there were certain principles that I guess I grew up with that were natural that I now find are not natural to people in the U.S. Everyone used to talk about money. I mean, people knew what other people were making. They knew if you bought a car, the first question was, well, how much did you pay for that? People were discussing all different kinds of things with money. It was just open. And I think there was also an expectation of success. Like you will go to college, you will succeed. And so all of those things were kind of ingrained and it just, just watching it unfold was amazing. And so the American dream is possible. I still think it's possible. You just have to show up and do the hard work. Right. So you were mentioning in your experience, the discussion was money was very open. Uh, there was this expectation of success. Was it your family? Was it with your culture, the Indian culture? What do you think? What attributed to that? I, it was it was family culture and it was it was the, the culture of the people that my family was friends with. So they all, all the, these Indians came from a particular area in India. They all grew up together, so to speak, back in the, I guess, the 30s, the 40s, the 50s. And so that whole area had a certain culture. And that was the culture that came across. No matter where you go, you'll be successful. Right, right. And I did definitely, in my growing up, in college, I had a lot of Indian friends, roommates, uh, some of my closest friends were uh, of Indian descent. And that, that was definitely some of the things, the expectation uh, of success. And definitely the money talk was also there. I've also noticed. So that's why I was just curious if you felt it was more within your family or was it maybe it's part of the Indian culture? I think it is very much part of Indian culture, depending on where from India you come from. India is like the United States. You know, yeah. somebody from Maine <laughs> is quite different than someone from Texas and California. And in India is the same way. There are a lot of cultures within India, though, that are very much similar to that. You know, they are focused on financial success. No, definitely, definitely. I, I, I definitely learned that, too, the different dialects. And oh, and I love Indian food, by the way. Just just had to throw that in. Now, let's, so in growing up, there was a point in your life that your dad became a single dad. Would you like to talk about that? Sure. My mom, when I was about six years old, got breast cancer. And like from the time she was diagnosed till the time she passed away, it was probably about a year. And so he became uh, a single dad. I was still, I mean, at this point, I was seven years old. So, you know, at seven years old, you don't really understand these things. And at this point, it's the early 70s. So the United States is in somewhat of a recession. Um, So, you know, economics weren't that great. My dad never made a ton of money, but whatever he had, he was content with. And also being a single dad made it harder to go up the corporate ladder because he did not want to leave me home alone. 
So he made the sacrifices that he had to make. But in spite of not making a ton of money, he was able to save and travel the world many times over. So I think there's there's a whole thing of being frugal and knowing how to make your money go far and also that everything is negotiable. And so those are some of the, the cultural traits that we learned. I had to learn contentment. That that one has taken me a lot longer to uh, to overcome, probably uh, 40 years of work on that one. Well, tell us about that. So you said you've had to overcome contentment. Tell me a little bit what you mean by that. I think when I was growing up, even though we didn't have a ton of money, we were surrounded by people with considerable amounts of wealth. And so for me as a young person, I always just said, I'm going to be a millionaire. And that was my focus. And it was just so the money became the central focus instead of all of the different parts of life. And I think over time, I came to realize the money isn't going to give you the happiness. To a certain extent, it will. So, you know, as long as your base needs are covered, then all is well. But beyond that, you're not going to be satisfied with life if you're just chasing the money. We probably all know a lot of very rich people who are just miserable. I can't agree more. It's, <laughs> it's, it's so true because I, I completely relate for that where I was brought up in a, with a family where there was a lot of lack of, but bec- and because there was a lack of, I was focused that I was determined that I wasn't going to be in that position. Right. So the focus did become the money. Right. The, and instead of and so I got to a point where uh, because the money was a focus and saving and saving and saving that that's what I focused on instead of really understanding what would make me happy and what would it mean to really enjoy life and be fulfilled. So I love that you bring that up because it's yes, it's you need to take care of money and money is a part of life. But there's a there's that fine line of how much focus you put on that. So I love that you brought that up. Now, what kind of lessons uh, did your dad teach you? What kind of things did he talk to you about? Uh, Because he seems like a fantastic person. Uh, What did you learn from him in terms like maybe he sat down and talked to you about money or what other lessons did you learn? You mentioned some things already in terms of um, being frugal, a negotiation, those type of things. But was there anything else that really resonated with you and stuck with you? They always saved money. So even though they weren't making a lot in the beginning, they were constantly saving, which meant, you know, when I was young, rather than take the bus, they would walk to save the quarter. That level of just being frugal. They wouldn't buy cheap things. They'd buy nice things for very cheap prices. So find a way to do that. And, And that has really resonated in the ability to negotiate and to look for and to find a deal, uh, but to buy quality and value with that. And then uh, no debt. So staying out of debt. I, my parents, I don't think, were ever in debt other than when my dad bought a house and had a mortgage. Uh, but other than that, for the most part, debt was just a no-no. Now let's talk a little bit about how do we raise money savvy kids. So what would you be some of your best tips or uh, maybe something that translated from your childhood that you just mentioned uh, that really you feel strongly about or some things that you have learned since then that really would help us in raising those money savvy kids? 
so I saw within, you know, that friends and family network that a lot of these parents had built tremendous wealth. And in doing that, they spoiled their kids, giving them everything they wanted. And that created kids that they weren't the kind of kids I'd want as kids. They, I, I don't know how to properly say this, but the kids, they don't know how to get jobs. They don't know how to sustain themselves. They're not adults because they've been spoiled their entire lives. They're stuck with alcohol and drugs, and they're a constant burden on their parents. We had kids a little bit later, so I already knew that we were going to be wealthy, and I didn't want my kids to turn out that way. So while we do give them things, we also set a balance to say, you're going to have to earn things, and you have to make your own way in the world in a sense. So one of the things we did is right from a very young age, probably I think with my daughter, around four or five, we started with an allowance. And the rules of the allowance are pretty much pretty simple. So you get your age in cash every week. So at five, she would get $5. And the rule was dollar goes to charity. And then your remaining money, you split into two pots. One part is saving and the other part you can spend. The saving part was this is for something that you are going to use beyond college like way, way out there. So we were teaching delayed gratification. We were teaching long-term savings. And the spending is yours to spend. Now, what we did though, is when we went to Target then and the kids wanted something, we would not buy it for them. You have your own money. You want to buy something, buy it. And they quickly learned through considerable conversations with us about the value of money and how to spend, and how to make decisions. And it actually drives my wife up the wall because she would go out with the kids and the kids would look at her and go, that's 10 bucks, that's expensive. Are you sure you should buy that? <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I love that this lesson, some of the things that I'm seeing here is that you went a little beyond. You, you hear about the allowance. You hear about... Um, parents and I've done this as well the the save the the charity or uh, and and the spend categories but what I really liked here is that with the saving you you just didn't leave it at saving you defined what that saving and got more specific as to what that saving was for which I think is helpful because I know what I see a lot of is that we know we're supposed to save. Really, the themes out there, the, the advice out there is save or spend less, save more, and get out of debt, right? And But when we, we're stuck in that uh, mode of thinking, we need to save, but we don't think what we need to save for. And when we don't think about and get specific enough about that saving. Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. We need that specific, uh, that uh, being specific so we can get excited. When we have that defined what that is for, we get more excited versus I'm just going to say just a generic save, right? So I really like that you did that because I think that is definitely helpful for them. And what else did you do? 
so the, you had the allowance. Uh, obviously, you talk to your kids about money. What else did you do that you think is important for parents to know? Well, so then we like we would talk about comparison shopping and how to make choices. So the easiest one is more so with my son. So I think he was into Pokemon cards. And we would go to the store and at Target, you could buy a pack of Pokemon cards and they're 10 cards for $10. And we do the math, 10 cards, $10, you're paying a dollar a card. There's this other box, it's $25, but in that box, you get 35 cards. So now instead of paying a dollar a card, you're paying whatever that math is, 75 cents a card. But here's the thing, if we go on eBay and we watch for some auctions and we look, for $25, you can get 150 cards. And so now they're seeing, hey, wait a minute, I can get a lot more than what I originally looking for, which is the pack of 10 cards for not much more money or even the same amount of money. So it was the constant conversations about those types of choices or even just something as simple as a pack of gum. If you're at the convenience store, a pack of gum is, you know, $1.69, whatever the number is. Hey, if you wait till we go to the grocery store next, you can buy for $3 a pack of five packs of gum. So you're going to get more value for that. And so they learned over time to save up for larger purchases. They learned to say no to a lot of stuff. I mean, they would originally walk around the store with something. And even at five and six years old, when they realized they had to open their wallet and pay for it, <laughs> they would put it back. And so those lessons, we wait too long to teach those lessons. Oh, I'll teach them when they're 15, too late. You've got to instill it from that earliest of age. Both my kids have stacks of their teenagers now. They have stacks and stacks of cash um, saved it. up. And they're frugal. Like my kids don't buy designer clothes because they're like, we don't want to spend the money. It's not worth the value. We'd rather be able to do other things. And we also told them, you're going to college. But here's the thing. If you're smart enough to go to college, you're smart enough to figure out how to pay for it. Ooh, don't expect like us that. to. <laughs> And and so they've we've like especially with my daughter and even with my son, we've worked. There are scholarships out there. There's tons and tons of scholarships out there. Kids are out working at, at jobs, making ten bucks an hour instead of working on trying to find fifty thousand dollars of scholarships that mm -hmm. are out there. So they're learning the time value of money. They're learning that there are multiple ways to get money and to do different things. And then the other part of that is, hey, the easiest way to get money for college is to be a great student. So it motivates them to study. It's really motivated them to do well on the SATs because they understand the SAT test is a driver of how much money the college will give you. A lot of colleges show right up on their website. If you get this SAT store, we'll give you X amount of money. So it gives them that driver. Hey, if I just work on getting this high test score, I'm going to get literally $100,000 off my college bill. So it, it's, it's showing them the consequences of their actions, allowing them to make the choices, giving them the money and letting them fail and right. learning those lessons. And why not teach it to them when they're seven, eight, nine, ten? 10, when, when the lessons are easy to fail at than when you're 38 years or 35 years old with, you know, $100,000 in debt and you're wondering what happened. Right. And, and I strongly agree with that. It's, it's really, really important to 
I mean, the like you were mentioning, you gave them, and I like I like how you did the allowance. I wish I, I had done that because that was something I've always struggled with. How much allowance <laughs> do you give your kids? Uh, but you did it with the age. But it, it's definitely important if they get five dollars in allowance. That because um, I know you mentioned a uh, dollar went to share charities, some went to saving, and then the spending. If they were to spend the whole three dollars, all of a sudden. And then they regretted it later. It was it's good to do that then with the three dollars versus, like you mentioned, getting into debt uh, and 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 failing at that point in their lives. But I, I like that. So tell us how with the allowance back because I'm really really curious with the allowance. How did you decide on how much you gave them an allowance with age? So why why did you decide on the age? Because there's different ways of doing allowance. So why did you feel like that was the best way? Because I really like that way, but I'm curious. I, I think it's, it's A, as kids get older, their needs increase. You know, so at five, how much do you really need to spend? Not much. Um, so it was so that it would increase over time. At that point, they're just buying toys. So it also lets us say, we're out of buying you all this junk because you have your own money. We gave it to you. And I know people sometimes, there's this whole issue of allowance versus they should earn their money. And for me, the issue is if they don't have money, they can't learn to use it. So I've got to put money in their hands. Now, if you want more money, then you can do chores and earn more money. So that's fine. So that still gives them the earning capacity to go above and beyond. I know a lot of parents would punish their kids. Oh, if you don't do all these things, we're going to take all your money away for the week. Like if you don't do these whole checklists and that kind of, it creates a battle with money. And so now we're creating these horrible money scripts. All these Mm. kids, our money scripts are designed between five and 12 years of age. So you've got to create the right money scripts in that five to 12 year old kid. And so take away as many barriers as possible, make it a pleasurable experience. And that's kind of why we did it the way we did it. So basically, I love this and I love this conversation. So when thinking uh, and giving your kids allowance, the key thing that you really said there that really, really resonated with me is how is to think about how do you make this a pleasurable experience and make it simple for yourselves, right? Because, because I that's that's the other thing that always got me when uh, with some versions of allowance. Well, if you don't do this chore, you'll get penalized x amount of I don't know pennies or whatever it is. That's a lot of work too. <laughs> it's not. It definitely goes to what you were saying about those manuscripts and how they're developed um, in those years, early years, but it's also makes your life more complicated. I mean, I'm looking at it from, you know, mom perspective and all these, you know, as a parent, we have so much on our plate, but I think it's, I think that is definitely key is to think about how can you make it simple and how can you make it a great experience for your kids? That's my takeaway from what you were saying. And, and I love that you said that. So the other thing, and this is the harder thing, you know, parents always say, do this, do that. But if they don't, if they don't walk the walk of their talk, then the kids are amazing at detecting hypocrisy. It's just built into their nature. Like they can see it a mile away. 
So it doesn't matter what you say. It matters what you do. And that's what your kids are watching. So if you're having conversations around money, if you're arguing about money, if you're lying to each other about money, in other words, and the simple one is, you know, I'm not going to pick on mom, sorry, but, you know, mom goes to the store and buys a dress and it's $100 and she tells the kids, don't tell daddy I spent $100. Right. Those are the little things that cause the issues. Even, you know, dad takes them out for ice cream and spends whatever on ice cream and says, don't tell mom I took you for ice cream. Those actions are teaching your kids bad behaviors. Right. Yeah, they're teaching. They're going to replicate those in the future. That's correct. And then you wonder why your teenager lies to you because you taught them to. Very, yep. Very, very, very true point. Oh my goodness. So, so much good stuff that you shared with us, Rocky. Now you also have a podcast that's called the Richer Soul Podcast. Tell us a little bit about what the purpose of that podcast is, because I think those listening right now will definitely be interested in that podcast because some of the things that you tie in that podcast, we tie in here. So tell us a little bit about your podcast. So Richer Soul is life beyond money. It's about uh, after you've got your finances in order is focusing on the rest of, of life. And that is managing your time, how to create systems to, to gain more time, knowing your purpose, managing your mindsets, your health. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, now when we're young, we don't worry about health. As you get older, you start to realize that without health, nothing else matters. So being focused on that, creating great relationships, and then also about spirituality. What's your connection to the universe and how you're doing that? And I think one of the reasons that I started this, it it started kind of out of the money side, is that I would go to financial planners and they would all tell me that, oh, we'll look at you holistically and we'll talk about uh, all these different things. And then after I'd sign up with them, what I found is all they did was talk about their little piece of the pie and their little pile of money that they were managing for me. They didn't even look at my 401k. They didn't talk about how to increase my income. They didn't talk about other opportunities to you know, invest in, say, real estate or even about creating side businesses or anything else. And after years of just getting frustrated, you know, with, with when I grew up, we didn't have the Internet, so we couldn't get all this information. Information was priceless. You know, trying to find this stuff out was impossible. But now there's there's more opportunity for people to see a much wider and more holistic picture. And so that's what I look at is at the underlying is build your financial base. So you're building that savings to create freedom and then create the life of freedom for you. Everyone's different. You know, we could both look at the same thing and we each have our own lens and our own perspective about it. Nobody is sitting down and having conversations about what is it that you want in life? What's your purpose? What are your core values? Where are you going? And how do all these different puzzle pieces fit together when the kids are screaming and you have to go to work and the car just broke down? And it's it's putting all of that together and helping you build an amazing life. Love it. And you can't see me, but I've been just shaking my head. I, I can't agree more. And I love that you have that podcast. So Rocky, this has been so fantastic. I've really enjoyed chatting with you today. And I'm so glad that you joined us. 
Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure to be here. ¿Qué te pareció? What did you think? I think Rocky is just such a fantastic person. And I hope that you enjoyed listening to this interview as much as I enjoyed chatting with him. Now, I want to, like usual, give the weekly shout out or la mención semanal. And this week it goes to Lauren. Lauren recently joined our community and she was looking for some sort of support system. And because she recently realized, and that, uh, this is what she shared with us, that she, in her words, she wasted about $15,000 last year and had nothing to show for it except for credit card debt. So she decided when she saw that, that she needed to change and in a big way. So once she realized that she has been writing down every purchase in a, a small notebook and making sure she pays herself first. So uh, Lauren, I really want to acknowledge you for sharing that uh, with us for really being intentional with writing down your purchases and for being ready to change. Because that's, that's really, it's what, what it's about. It's being ready because we can have all these different challenges with our finances, but until we are truly ready, we won't really change, right? So I acknowledge you for being ready. I acknowledge you for participating in our community and getting out there and asking for support uh, because that's a part of how you move forward. So I am cheering for you. I am rooting for you. I know that there's so much you can accomplish. Uh, so just wanted to acknowledge and recognize you. Now, in today's interview, we definitely got a lot of great nuggets and really listening to the perspective of Rocky being raised by his single dad, and also some awesome nuggets uh, to think about in terms of teaching kids about money and his perspective of allowance, all that good stuff. So I really hope that you enjoy that. I also had the opportunity to be on his podcast, which is the Richer Soul podcast. And I'll leave a link in the show notes for you to take a listen to it. And while you're at it, by all means, go ahead and peruse his website and get to know Rocky more. As I mentioned before, I just really I think he's a truly a fantastic person. And I'm sure uh, you could hear that as he spoke. Now, next week, we will be talking to Jamila Soufrant, who shares how she and her husband saved and invested $85,000 in 12 months. You heard me right. That is, she saved with her husband and invested $85,000 in 12 months. So get ready for that story and get to know her next week. That is a wrap for today. I want to thank Rocky for joining us, for sharing his story, for sharing all those great nuggets. Uh, you can check out the show notes on where to find Rocky over at jenhempill.com forward slash 138. And also don't forget that if you love this episode or if you love this podcast, I would really appreciate you taking a moment, five seconds of your day to share this podcast or this episode with a friend or a loved one. It makes a difference in the world and the growth of this podcast. So we will talk again next Thursday. Nos hablaremos el próximo jueves. Chao. 